So welcome to the Football Index podcast and today I've got the pleasure of being joined by Ryan Baldi who's who's a writer for Football Whispers, is that right Ryan? That's it, footballwhispers.com and my, my employer. I've done other bits and bobs for, for places like 442, Sky Sports, the SPN and stuff but Football Whispers, uh, they, they keep the lights on. <laughs> well done, so yeah just walk us through your kind of sports journalism history in general just for a little bit. Yeah, well, um, I started out freelancing a, a few years ago. Um, I, I'm not um, sort of a, a classically trained journalist. Uh, I never went to university or anything. I just started blogging a few years ago. Really enjoyed it. It started off as a hobby. Uh, it soon became became a job. Um, started picking up bits of freelance work, and that kind of snowballed to the point where it became a full time job. Um, and I was freelancing for a while, and then one of my freelance clients, Football Whispers, um, took me on full time, and I've been there a year and a half now. Um, really enjoying that getting to delve into all different types of subjects we're quite big on on data and stats and stuff so we do a lot of things around that and then um yeah just working on uh, a little side project at the moment to get my first book out there yeah so i really do like what football whispers are doing i think they're it's quite accessible for people because everyone wants to know what's happening transfer wise but it's so hard to condense all that information into something that's very easy to read and and kind of easy on the eye for for readers so i think that's that's really good i, I like that and you know congratulations on on going full time there recently and we'll speak a bit about your book later but i, I want to kick things off so my first question is uh, about real madrid and how they're kind of in this transitional period they've got quite a few older players and i just want to want you to firstly kind of outline why they've struggled this season and then we can go on and and shed some light on some of the futures of maybe some of those players that could be leaving yeah sure um i think madrid always kind of walk a fine balance um they've got so many big stars there and big egos it's almost like um waiting for the planets to align for, for them to have these spells where they're absolutely unbeatable but i think they are very hard to sustain um, I think that's what we saw last season. They peaked um, for a particular second half of the year. They were pretty much unbeatable. They they romped their way to La Liga and uh, put together a double with the Champions League as well, becoming the first team to win that back-to-back. And it seemed like that was the real moment where Zidane got all his ducks in a row and everything was firing for them. Um, they've come back this season and were expected to pick off where they left off, but maybe that was uh, too high an expectation. Ronaldo's 33 now, so expecting him to be able to sustain that level of performance across the whole season is difficult. And we've seen that he's kind of um, sort of managed his performance in a way to, to peak at the right moments. So and now that he's backfiring, Madrid are kind of back on form. So I think that had a lot to do with their dip. Was there anything tactically that they changed at the beginning of the season? I, I've seen, you know, at the beginning of the season, Isco wasn't the first name on the team sheet. They were playing more of a 4-3-3 and then he's he's kind of become a more of a focal point and a more of a 4-4-2 diamond, I believe. Is there anything tactically that they tweaked at the beginning of the season that maybe just didn't work? Um, well, that 4-4-2 diamond was, was what won them the Champions League in the league last year, um, I think. To move away from that might have been a bit of an issue. Uh, perhaps it was to do with when Gareth Bale came back to fitness. They tried playing him up front in a two with Ronaldo, but without Benzema's influence there, even though he's been out of form in front of goal, um, he's a really good facilitator in, in that um, all the work he does is to get the best out of the players around him. So to, to shoehorn Gareth Bale in at the expense of Benzema upsets the balance. Maybe then they, they switch back to 4-3-3 um, to, to fit them all in and... Uh, that comes at the expense of Isco, who, to be fair, wasn't firing on all, on all cylinders the way he was at the back end of last year. But um, he's worked his way back in now. They've gone back to this four four two diamond with Isco in the number 10 position behind the front two. And uh, he's back producing key performances in, in big games like we've seen in the Champions League so far. So I think um, it's kind of just rediscovering the formula that worked for them last time. Um, maybe it was a mistake to move away from that. Perhaps there's a, there's a will there for, for Bale to succeed and to, and to cram him in at all costs. But you have to say for the balance of the team at the moment, um, Madrid's best 11 probably doesn't include Gareth Bale. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's a problem that Gareth Bale has had with fitness, but also Zidane's very much struggled to get him in their best 11. And you mentioned Isco and Gareth Bale quite a few times there. And we'll start on those two players. And Isco is a player that, you know, after the Spain game during the last international break, I think he, he talked about trust and, and trust, particularly from Zidane and how he maybe felt he didn't have that. I'm not sure if those quotes are missing 
interpreted. So tell us what's going on there. Is there a possibility that he could leave this summer or is his future in Madrid? It seems almost from the moment he's moved to Madrid, there's been speculation about him moving away, uh, much like the has with Bale in many ways. Um, he's always been linked with a move to the Premier League. Uh, uh, Manchester City wanted Isco when he initially went to uh, to Madrid. And it doesn't seem like their interest has died down at any point over the last four years. I do think Madrid would be quite crazy to, to get rid of Isco, a phenomenally talented player. They finally found a way to, to get him into the team and to, to maximise his, his vast gifts. So I think to kind of discount that now and undo that good work would be would be unfortunate and would be a mistake. I think um, around the time Isco was making those comments um, while he was on international duty, he, he had grown frustrated and, and understandably so. He'd, he'd fallen out of the lineup. He was kind of playing in, in the B games as such, the, the games that Real Madrid kind of rotate in to, to keep people fresh for the Champions League. He was coming in and being one of those players and then being rotated back out again for, for the key fixtures. But now he's back in seemingly back in that first choice 11, um, started both games against Juventus. Uh, so I'd anticipate him starting as well against uh, Bayern Munich. I guess whether or not he does play a, a, a big role against Bayern and if they do get to the final, whether he's involved there too, will determine uh, his happiness going forward. I think this time, rather than it being about whether Madrid want to sell uh, Isco or not, it's more about whether Isco wants to stay. Yeah, fair enough. I think he's totally entitled to to kind of think about what's best for his career especially at the age of kind of 26 but I mean it's such a strange one because he still isn't the first name on the team team shit and as you said he's so so supremely talented it's kind of hard to figure out why he's not especially when you've got bail off form constantly injured and you're looking at Benzema as you said who who wasn't as who hasn't been as good in front of goal this season it's hard to think how Isco isn't kind of starting and week in week out and it isn't that the first name on the team shit and it's crazy also to think that this time last season people were thinking or people were talking about him like going out on loan which was mad back to Malaga who have been relegated this season so it's crazy to think that and so are Manchester City the only potential suitors I'm sure everyone around the world would probably want to take Esco on right oh absolutely anyone who could afford him it would depend on on the market and uh who's who's uh, got the budget to be able to accommodate a player of that quality and someone will command a fee uh, and, a, and a wage like Isco would. But um, there aren't many teams in the world who he wouldn't come straight into and be that star that he hasn't really had the chance to be for, for Madrid. I think um, for the back end of last season in, in the running for the Champions League, I think he was Madrid's best player. I think he was outperforming uh, um, his teammates, all of them, including Ronaldo. Uh, and I think for a while there, he was probably the best number 10 in the world, not named Lionel Messi. So... That's the kind of level of talent we're talking about. Um, that, that of course, comes with a premium, but those who can afford it will definitely be interested. Well, I mean, particularly because of, uh, you know, we, we're talking about Eden Hazard and Thibaut Courtois potentially leaving Chelsea due to their contract situations. So potentially there could be some sort of player swap deal there. I'm not sure if Isco would want to go to Chelsea with no Champions League football, it looks like. But, you know, as Neymar left Barcelona and went to become this massive star at PSG has kind of heightened his global brand it kind of seems to me that Isco might be in a similar situation not as bad but if he did leave as you said he goes to a team and he suddenly becomes their main man right and I think that's such a big thing for a player because when you do want to be like one of the best aka the Messi's and Ronaldo's sometimes you do have to kind of not be arrogant but have that slightly uh, egotistical attitude and and kind of go out and try and be the man in a team rather than being the second or third piece I'm not sure if you agree with that yeah for sure I mean Neymar was, was struggling despite his friendship with Messi struggling a little bit to, to cope with living in Messi's shadow and of course for, for such a small man he cast a huge shadow being arguably the, the greatest player of all time and at Madrid the, the, there are lots of shadows there to be to be um, to be stuck behind um, Isco coming in as he did as a, a young Spanish player coming from from Malaga for a fee that, that was quite big at the time, but it wasn't a Galactico level of signing. Um, he was never going to have that cachet that some of the other people have come in since and kind of usurped his status. Um, he's outlived some of them. You know, if you've seen um, James Rodriguez palmed off, we'll probably see more in this summer too. Uh, but yeah, Isco, we, we, we've all, in, in whatever we do, we all want to be the best. We want to be recognised to the best of our abilities. Um, Isco at the moment is kind of one of a number when, 
the level of talent he has uh, at any other team in the world pretty much would would see him be if not the star then certainly one of the the two best players at whatever club he went to so you couldn't really um begrudge him pursuing that if that's that's the route he wants to take yeah i, I totally agree I, I don't think especially if real madrid makes some galactico signings you could begrudge him i think isco would kind of turn around if if they bought maybe a another couple midfielders a, a a wide forward for for example and maybe even a, num- a number nine to kind of take the pressure off Ronaldo I think Isco would kind of turn around and look say look like I want to stay but if you're not giving me the opportunity to excel and become one of the main men and take over Ronaldo when he finally does decline properly we, we keep thinking it's going to be every year but somehow he manages to to shock everyone then I think he, he would consider his options but but enough about Isco and we, we talked about him for quite a while the other one that you mentioned is Gareth Bale seemingly always linked back to the Premier League after he moved to Real Madrid for a crazy fee is this summer finally the summer that he moves back I think it might be um, as you said there's speculation every year it seems to reach few pitch last season when he was linked with uh, with Man United there was a clip that went viral of, of Jose Mourinho having a little word in his ear at the the International Champions Cup in America when the two play, teams played each other that was um, you know, scrutinised by lip readers and, and translated to, to try and figure out what it was that Mourinho was saying, whether he was trying to get him to Old Trafford. Um, I was told by somebody, a journalist based in Spain, who, that um, is close to the situation that at that time, Bale had no intention of leaving Madrid. As far as he was concerned, he wanted to stay. He wanted at least one more year. Um, he's enjoyed his time out there despite the fact that, by all accounts, he hasn't adapted particularly well to the culture. He hasn't really learnt the language as yet. Um, but he's had the extra year now that he, he supposedly wanted. So maybe... Um, and, and I think, whereas a year ago or two years ago, um, there was a lot of goodwill there still. Um, although he's had his injuries, Madrid have been incredibly successful since Bell went there. And you can't really underestimate his role in that success because whenever he has been fit, he's been largely exceptional um, but I think some of that goodwill is starting to wane now I think he, he had the full support of Florentino Perez for a long long time but now I think they're starting to see that if they want to to see some kind of a return for Bale who I believe will turn 28 this summer I could be wrong about that but I think uh, maybe even 29 actually um, they're going to have to sell this summer if they want to make any kind of a return and I think they're, they're risking getting to a point now where, where the market for Bale is shrinking. Transfer fees around the globe have shot through the roof in the last year or year or so with the Neymar deal. Um, but with Bale's injury record that is only getting worse with time, these muscular complaints he keeps picking up, they're not going to shake off. A, a player of his of his profile, someone who relies so heavily on speed and someone who is such a finely tuned athlete, um, those kind of muscular complaints, the, the, the calf strains, the, the, th- the thigh strains and the hamstring pulls, those kind of plague uh, a player of his type's career um, in the latter stages. So I think uh, Madrid might find it difficult to fetch the kind of fee they're wanting for him. And I think they might find that the clubs who were there knocking on his door a year ago, um, the, the queue might have been 10 clubs long at the time. I think it's going to reduce quite a lot this summer. So it's going to be really interesting to watch the Bale situation and see where he does land. Yeah, I think Gareth Bale is someone who was obviously always going to get linked back to the Premier League. As you say, he is going to be 29 this summer. And you talk about shelling out maybe 100 million euros for a 29-year-old, as you said, who relies heavily on his, not just pace, but that like explosive speed that comes with being a finely tuned athlete and actually having all your muscles in order. And I think that, I, can I see a Chelsea shelling out that much money to replace Hazard? I'm not so sure. Can I see United going for someone like that, considering they've just got Alexis Sanchez? I'm not so sure. Can I see Manchester City going for someone like that when they've missed out on Alexis Sanchez? I'm not sure he suits their style, really. So then, as you said, the list of clubs that could take him back maybe shrinks to, 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 to just a handful. And I don't think Tottenham have the financial capabilities to take him back, certainly not the wage structure to offer Gareth Bale a route back to the Premier League. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And uh, yeah, I, I just think, as you said, they're going to really struggle to come on that fee. But I am really interested to see what happens. And for the life of him, Zidane's always said that he, he wants... Gareth Bale to stay and Bale after the Champions League last season when as you mentioned 
the rumours were getting to fever pitch. He did say, I'm staying here next season. Will that happen again this season? I'm not sure he's going to be able to say with such certainty that he's going to be with Real Madrid for the foreseeable future. I think it's kind of the inverse of, of the Isco situation, whereas Isco's fu- uh, future um, seemed to be in the hands of the club entirely for the last few years and whether they wanted to, to cash in or not. Uh, and that's the scenario has now changed to where it's all about whether he wants to stay. I think it's the flip flip side of that for Gareth Bale, whereas before um, he wanted to stay, but, but, but now the, it might be out of his hands. So it's going to be uh, an interesting one to keep an eye on. Well, enough about Isco and Gareth Bale. I've got three more Real Madrid players to ask you about before we go into some of their inbound players, potentially. So first of all is Danny Caballos. He's someone that's... He's someone that's been linked with a plethora of English clubs seemingly since about January. And uh, I, I mean, he was linked to, to a few English clubs before he went to Real Madrid. But what's actually happened to to him? And could he move this summer to find more playing time? I guess it's got to be a possibility when he's only started two league games this season. Um, he was a guy who seemed, I think the Madrid move always seemed a little bit of a strange one because... Um, for a central midfielder to go there and try and dislodge Tony Cruz and Luka Modric, two of the the absolute best in the world in, in that position, was always going to be really difficult for a guy of, of 21. Um, he was phenomenal for Betis last season, had that really low release clause. I think he, um, Madrid were able to pick him up for something like 15 million euros. And at the time, I was thinking that looks like the best bargain of the summer across Europe. I thought he was going to go there and perhaps work his way into the team over time, sort of ramp up his game time, come on as, a, as an impact substitute early on, then, then start games later in the season and, and really kind of nail down that, that starting berth within the next season or two. Uh, but he hasn't even got close to that yet. And for a guy of his talent, um, a guy who's approaching the age where uh, it's kind of a, pr- a crucial stage of his development where he needs to be playing football to improve and to, and to reach the level that, uh, that matches the potential that he's got. So if it's not a loan somewhere, then perhaps a permanent transfer. I think Madrid... Again, similar to the Esco situation, would be a bit crazy to let him go because he's such a gifted player. And we saw the impact he had at the uh, under twenty one Euros last season, where he was uh, last summer. He was crucial in Spain's run to the final. He was just superb, uh, dictating play in central midfield. He's also got that kind of a bit of a nasty streak to him. Um, he can deal with the physicality of the senior game, and he's got that bit of magic in his boots too. He's a really good dribbler. In many ways, he shares a lot of aspects um, that that have made Andres Iniesta such a brilliant player over the last decade and a half. And in, in that regard, it was easy to see why Barcelona was supposedly one of the the teams that were interested in, in him at the time. And perhaps that would have been a better move for him um, on a personal level. So yeah, it comes down to how much patience he's got as a player to, to sit and wait for his chances and whether or not Madrid are willing to give him assurances over his place in the squad as uh, the players around him age that he will come in and get that opportunity. Well, yeah, it's certainly an interesting situation. But if he does move on, where do you think he could end up? And again, he's probably going to have a lot of suitors, but is the Premier League a possibility for him? Oh, I don't see why not. Um, it's it's the place he'll go if he wants to kind of earn comparative money to what, what Madrid have, have been paying him for the last year or so. In going to Madrid last summer, he's kind of ruled out the potential of going directly to Barcelona from there. Um, so if he were to stay in Spain, you'd imagine... It'd be perhaps a loan move with with Madrid still subsidising his, his salary, or um, if he were to move permanently within Spain, he'd probably have to take a bit of a, a step back and a pay cut. Um, that wouldn't be the case if he were to come over to the Premier League. I could see him fitting really nicely into some a team like Spurs, who uh, there's been speculation over Moussa Dembele's future lately. Even if he does stay, he's uh, he's into his thirties now, and he does have some recurring injury issues. So, Sabias could be someone who could come in and play quite a big role there um, as one of the two in midfield at Spurs. Um, I could see him at a Chelsea, depending on who who their manager is next season, and I could see Guardiola being a fan of him too. So, he definitely has the makings. Like I said, he's he's got that nasty streak and that that physicality to him that I'm sure he would thrive in the Premier League. Yeah, definitely one to keep your eyes on this summer. Certainly, the rumours just continue to come. But from one central midfielder to two maestros, really, who have been there at Real Madrid and and done it for the last four years, I think these guys, these two guys, have been basically the two best central midfielders for the last five seasons in the world, and that's Tony Cruz and Luka Modric. So. Could you shed a bit of light firstly on Luka Modric's future? Maybe, you know, as his career is winding down, he's, he's 33 now. Could he be heading to, you know, the MLS 
rather than moving another uh, to another European club. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that being an option. I think for the last two or three years, he's been the, the best central midfield player in the world. As you said, you were right to, to mention that both Kroos and Modric are in that bracket. But I think um, Modric has been the one for Real Madrid. And I think they recognise that by giving him the number 10 shirt ahead of the season. But I would uh, contest that his levels have dropped a little bit this season. He's not quite the, he's not quite got the same verve um, that he had. And that's inevitable. Um, age catches up with every footballer. Um, he's still got a lot to give, a lot to contribute. Um, so in that regard, he could go to to MLS and, and perhaps still be a bit too good, really, um, for, for that level of football. He could do um, certainly do a job at another top-level club if Madrid were looking to move him on this summer. Um, he could go back to Spurs, perhaps. He could, he could probably get a move to any team in the Premier League. Um, he's a sort of player who would walk into any team and improve them immediately, despite uh, despite his age. Um, but again, I think he, this is he's a sort of player who Madrid should be looking to to get another year out of. I reckon maybe you use him um, to kind of bring through guys like Danny Ceballos or any new uh, central midfielder they'll be looking to buy, um, or, or even Mateo Kovacic if they hold on to him too. He's the kind of guy who's going to be just such a good influence. That I think they should use him in a similar way to Barcelona. Uh, used Chavi in his, in his last couple of years at the club, where you know his legs are gone, he couldn't get around the pitch uh, as as well as he used to. So he kind of was like a closer in games. He'd come on for the last twenty minutes or so, get on the ball, slow the tempo down when the game's already won, and then he's just there to be around and, and for those uh, those younger players to learn from and just to soak up um, his knowledge and his experience like a sponge. Um, I think those kind of assets that he has, having been at the top of the game for so long, are something you shouldn't really underplay and you shouldn't really get, get rid of too readily. Yeah, I think it's certainly going to be the summer of central midfielders. I think last summer we saw so many number nines linked to so many different clubs. And I think this year it's going to be mainly central midfielders that are going to be the most coveted, as well as maybe uh, wide forwards and, and centre-backs perhaps. So I think if Luke Modric did leave Real Madrid, and I don't think he will, I think you're right in saying that he will probably stay there for another year at least. And he, he is right. He's too good for the MLS. Like, I mean, I've watched him several times a season and he's still quality to me. I, I think, again, Real Madrid would be crazy to let him go just because I think it's it'd be too hard to kind of make that transition in central midfield in, in one single season. I know Mateo Kovacic has done quite well when he's come in, but can he do it for the whole season? You need to kind of transition these players slowly. And now moving on to Tony Kroos, he's obviously left Bayern Munich after winning a Champions League and uh, he, he looked to to a new challenge after that journey ended. It, could the same thing happen this summer? I mean, he seemingly is always linked to Manchester United. Uh, more recently, he's been linked to Manchester City. So is there any chance of him leaving this summer? This is one that baffles me. You know, I've seen the speculation linking him with moves away, but looking at the face of it, if there's any player in the world who's secure at a club, any any player who, you know, the, the mutual understanding between club uh, and player um, to be quite as mutually beneficial as it is with, with um, Madrid and Kroos, I think they need him, he needs them. They, they, they seem perfectly happy together. Um, I don't see any reason why uh, they, either party should be looking to end that relationship. Yeah, I think there are uh, plenty of players who Madrid should be kind of looking to, to move on this summer and Tony Kroos certainly isn't one of them. Well, fairly definitive there. <laughs> so those could be the potential outgoings. Obviously, Isco's future dependent on maybe who they bring in and, and maybe who they have manager and uh, who they have in as manager next season. Danny Caballos, he's one that, again, the same situation as Isco perhaps, but if he does want to get more playing time, potentially has to leave. Tony Kroos, as you mentioned, seems to you know have a lot of comfort at, at Real Madrid. Luka Modric, potentially aging if he doesn't get enough time, could leave. And Gareth Bale is probably the one that of those five that might be most likely to leave. And those are the outgoing. So who, who could they go out and target this summer? This is going to be really interesting because Madrid haven't really gone big for a few years now. Um, this whole Galactico policy has been on the back burner a little bit where they, where they focused on uh, bringing through some younger players, either from their academy um, and also you know bringing them in. Guys like... Um, uh, Vallejo, who came, who come in from um, Zaragoza, I think it was. They signed him from as a youngster, loaned him out, and brought him back through into the first team squad this year. Guys like Danis Sabias, who you seen part of that plan, Teo Hernandez too. Um, 
But it does. All the signs seem to point towards them going big again this summer. Um, they've been so far out of the La Liga title race um, that I think they're going to want to strengthen. They're going to want, as we mentioned at the start, um, the players, their star players there, some of them are, are the wrong side of 30 now, guys like Ronaldo and Modric, and perhaps aren't able to sustain that level of performance across an entire season uh, that would allow for, for Madrid to go for both uh, La Liga and the Champions League um, year in, year out, like they did last season. Um, so perhaps they'll be looking to younger alternatives this time around to, so to with the players with a bit more stamina who can can stay the course and uh, set a temper from the offset and, and and keep with it for an entire season. So yeah, they're going to need stars as well. If 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 you're letting stars go, you're going to need to replace them with stars. Um, and I think to be honest with you, um, it's going to be anyone's guess. Um, I imagine they're going to go for a goalkeeper. I think Thibaut Courtois as you mentioned earlier, is going to be the, the probably the, the easiest one to, to go for um, because he seems quite uh, quite intent on making that move. Um, I believe his family still live in Madrid from his time on loan there at Atletico. Um, so that seems like a really logical one. But if Madrid want to go to that slightly next level of goalkeeper, I think Courtois is one of the best in the world. But um, I think there are guys like David De Gea, Art Black from Atletico, and perhaps even Alisson from uh, Roma, who might have just been that little notch ahead of, of Courtois over the last year or so. So it depends how big and how much money they want to commit to that kind of that kind of a transfer for the goalkeeping situation. Um, I, I could see them going big for for a star midfielder if it's not like if it's not a Pogba whose whose um, future has been the subject of speculation lately. It could be somebody like uh, Sergei Milinkovic Savic who. Is absolutely on fire for Lazio over the last couple of years. Looks destined to be, if not the best central midfielder in the world, then certainly one of the top two or three over the next five to ten years. He's going to cost a lot of money, uh, probably upwards of 100 million euros. Um, he's He looks like a type of player who could come into Madrid and make a difference, add a real kind of energy and verve uh, to, their, to their midfield. Um, and then they're going to want an attacker as well, I imagine. Um, I, I do see Ronaldo staying there a little bit longer. I think the form he showed in the back end of the season means that they still can't really afford to live without him. He's still got a long contract there, um, which he'll probably want re-up in quite soon. He seems to get get a new deal every year, which makes him the most uh, highly paid player in the world. Um, so you're probably looking for that again. Um, so yeah, I imagine they'll probably either bring in a striker to play alongside him, which I think is is actually a more difficult um, difficult position to recruit for than it seems on, on, on the face of things because they've been linked with guys like um, Lewandowski and they were linked with uh, Aubameyang in the past. But Ronaldo's been used to uh, playing off Karen Benzema, who's a very unselfish centre-forward. Um, I called him a facilitator earlier and that's really the job he does. Um, scoring goals is kind of a secondary concern for him. Um, so if they want to, to replace a striker, um, they've got to be careful with that balance and, and to keep Ronaldo happy and to keep him scoring goals because he's their main chance-getter. Um, He's the one who's shooting for goals six, seven, eight times a game. Um, he's putting up strikers' numbers. He's, you know, in the last year or so, he's migrated centrally from that left wing berth and become more of an out and out striker. So, I think somebody along, along the lines of Roberto Firmino is somebody uh, that might be. Yeah, he's going to be a much better fit if they're going for a striker. Otherwise, perhaps they go for a wide player, and maybe then it is somebody like Hazard or. Um, the guy I believe we're going to be talking about a little bit later on, uh, Neymar. So uh, maybe we'll come back to that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned Hazard there. He's certainly played in a three-five-two sometimes up front. So there could be that transition as maybe, you know, Remigid could go to a four four one one with Hazard like as a striker but playing just off Ronaldo and again yeah I find it strange that you that Real Madrid are linked with Lewandowski and Mauro Icardi and all these strikers that just I just don't think they'd be the perfect foils to to Ronaldo and you mentioned Firmino and beat me to the punch because I was going to say that when you're thinking about facilitators up front he would be the absolute perfect fit for Real Madrid if they could prize him away from Liverpool, I'm not sure he would command the ridiculous fee as well. I mean, we talk about how well Mohamed Salah has done this season, but Roberto Firmino has done incredibly well as well. But I think Real Madrid are obviously going to be a hot topic this summer and uh, we'll move on from them because we've spent quite a bit of time on them so far. And this season's surprise you know, package, perhaps, in, the, in La Liga have been Valencia. And they've done really well this season, obviously, as I've just mentioned. But who could... You know, who who are some of their players that have surpassed expectations and potentially could have a few suitors this season? And I want to start with Carlos Soler, someone that was 
mentioned and, and linked with Manchester United last summer. And how has he done this season? And could this be the summer that he moves? Yeah, um, Salah has been, been excellent. Um, played predominantly on the right side of, of Valencia's 4-4-2 there under Marcelino, who's kind of implemented a very similar system to the one he used to, to great success at, at Villarreal. Um, they seemed a team, they were kind of the butt of everybody's joke in La Liga for the last few years. Um, and they seemed a little bit beyond repair or, or beyond immediate repair, at least. But Marceline has come in and done an incredible job to get them back in the top four. Um, they're nailed on to qualify for next season Champions League, which I think a lot of people would have thought wasn't possible. Um, yeah, a lot of it has been down to the organisation um, that Marcelino has brought to, this, brought to the table. And this 4-4-2 system he uses... It's quite simple in, in what it asks of its players. There are defined roles within the system. And Soler, I think, is a really interesting one in that um, he can play a few different roles uh, that will that will interest uh, potential suitors. As I said, he's played mostly on, on the right side of attack, of uh, midfield, rather, uh, this season. He can play on the right of a midfield three. Uh, he can play central midfield. He can also play wide uh, um, as part of a front three and a 4-4-3, a 4-3-3. Um, so there are options there for, for teams who might be looking at him. Um, the way he plays the game, he's been likened to, to David Silva, who obviously had tremendous success at Valencia. Um, and although uh, Soler is right-footed and Silva's left, um, Silva has actually played uh, on the right of a 4-4-2 for Spain before. So it's not an unfamiliar role. And they play in kind of similar ways. Soler likes to drift inside slightly into that sort of half space, allowing for overlapping runs for the fullbacks. Links well with the strikers, is, is really good when he moves into that central area, but he does also have that little bit of a turn of pace, little bit of a trick about him where he can go around the outside too. So he gives them a, a real option. He's got that versatility and diversity of skill set uh, that can make him a, a, a real real solid option for, for several roles. Whether or not he moves this summer, I think um, I think it might be a year too soon for him. I think of late we've seen perhaps his performances drop just a slight bit um, he, he really started off the season at quite a clip and it was always going to be difficult for him to maintain that level I think at 21 there's no rush for him um, he's at a good club for him now Valencia seems to be sorting out a lot of the problems that have plagued him over the last few years um, so I'd like to see him stay in this team maybe develop into one of its real key players if, if a couple of others move on so for now if I were to advise uh, Carlos Soler if you're listening uh, stay put from there <laughs> well, he's certainly done quite well for Valencia this season on one flank. On the other, we have uh, Gonzalo Guedes, who is, you know, not actually owned by Valencia, he's owned by Paris Saint-Germain. So what's going to happen to him this summer? Are Paris Saint-Germain going to sell him? And if so, is he going to stay at Valencia? That's going to be a really interesting point. I think a lot of it will come down to um, whether or not PSG end up falling foul of financial fair play, which a lot of people are predicting them to. Uh, Gredesh is obviously somebody who's got elite potential, um, who could quite easily go on to be a star of that PSG team, particularly if down the line Neymar moves, he could walk straight into that that spot on the on the left side of attack and, and make it his own and develop into that kind of a that level of a star within two or three years' time. Um, if they if they if they do have the means to hold on to him, I, I think they they will and they should. Um, but there's a very real possibility that they're going to have to move players on. And he's going to be somebody who there will be a ton of interest in. Um, it will be easy for them to, to kind of strike up a bidding war if it comes down to it, which would unfortunately price Valencia out of a move. Um, but there'll be no shortage of, of suitors. I imagine perhaps even Real Madrid, as we mentioned, could be on the lookout for a wide attacker. Uh, they could do a lot worse than looking for somebody like Gonzalo Guedes. Um, he was linked to Man United before, uh, before he went to PSG when he was at Benfica. Um, I could see him fitting in there too, perhaps if Anthony Martial has moved on. Uh, yeah, there's really no end of possibilities of where this kid could play because he's got that level of potential whereby he probably wouldn't cost cost the earth right now um, because he is still so young. Um, he's yet to prove himself at an elite club, although he's been at PSG, he's never held down a, a regular berth and was moved on pretty quickly on loan to Valencia. Um, so he wouldn't go for the kind of Neymar fee just yet, but he does have kind of, if not, Neymar level of potential not far off yeah I definitely think he's a player that he just excites me so much when I watch him play he's, he's got such a unique running style and, and the way he just kind of bursts past players is, is just sensational really as an Arsenal fan I'd love him to have <laughs> to have him here with at the moment we don't really seem to have any natural wingers so I, I think he as you said could go anywhere he has the world at his feet I'm quite excited to see whether or not he starts for Portugal this World Cup if he does then I think 
Portugal, strangely enough, might have a decent chance of the World Cup because when you look at, you know, you've got the Ronaldo and, and the rest of the squad that won the, the Euros, but then you add Gelson Martins and Bernardo Silva and uh, Gonzalo Guedes to that squad, you're looking at a pretty formidable <laughs> attacking lineup. So we'll see where what happens with, with Guedes in the summer. And another guy that's done really well at Valencia this season is Rodrigo. And recently he's been touted as potentially the heir to Antoine Griezmann at Atleti. So is there any chance he leaves the summer? I think uh, I think there's probably quite a big chance Rodrigo goes um, for a few reasons. This has been by far the most successful uh, season of his career. I think I'm right in saying that, that the uh, the goals he scored this season pretty much trebles his best ever return um, in previous seasons in, in terms of league goals. Um, he's had a real breakout campaign. He's been a late bloomer. I think he's 27 now, so he's no spring chicken. Um, he's going to be at the peak of his value, and Valencia, despite their progress this year, will still be a selling club, I imagine, and will still look to make a profit on their on their investments. I think there will be a bit of interest in Rodrigo. I think he suits um, the athletic system well. I would be interested to see how he would do up alongside Diego Costa. I think. There the, the perhaps might be a few too many similarities. They're kind of competing for the same role in the Spain squad at the moment. Rodrigo is maybe somebody who who would be better alongside Griezmann. And if he were to, to go in and be a direct replacement for Antoine Griezmann, I think there's there's quite a big um, drop-off in quality there. But he's certainly a player who who's more than accustomed to La Liga, has proven now that he can score goals in the right system. Um, he's used to it at a 4-4-2 that um, Simeone plays. Uh, so yeah, I definitely could see that. I've also seen him mentioned as a potential sort of backup striker for for Barcelona if they want to either move Suarez on or um, have someone deputised for him so they can give him a bit more of a rest throughout the season. Uh, I think that's the kind of role I could see him playing and playing at an elite club. Otherwise, I think he'll be looking for a club maybe a notch down from that where he can try and sort of maintain the form he's shown this season. Yes, Rodrigo, I'm not sure. He he always flattered the disease to, to some extent. And this season, he's finally upped his output. And as you mentioned, he's he's scored far more goals in in this season than he ever has in previous seasons. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens to him. It looks like, as you mentioned, that most of the links are coming from within La Liga rather than abroad. So definitely be interesting to see if there's some sort of domino effect there. But the last player that I want to talk about at Valencia is someone that's quite recently been linked with the move to to the Premier League and that's Jose Gaia. Uh, do you want to shed a bit of light on what type of player he is and whether or not he could actually be moving this summer? Yeah, Gaia is an uber-talented left-back, uh, burst onto the scene in uh, in the 2014-15 season, um, pretty quickly became um, uh, a staple of, of the Valencia side there. Uh, brilliant going forward, wonderful left foot, great delivery from wide, lo- loves to get forward, um, very much in the vein of, of kind of a Jordi Alba who who uh, preceded him there at Valencia. Um, so yeah, that's the kind of attacking fullback we're talking about. There are always questions over his defensive acumen, um, something that he's worked on over the last few years. Um, he's, I think he's, is he 24 now, is it? I'm uh, just looking up his age. Uh, no, still 22, sorry. So he's still very young for, for a defender. Um, and I think after a couple of years of kind of treading water at Valencia, um, which you can't really blame him for as a young player at a club who were going through such a, a roller coaster of, of a time for a couple of years there, he kind of didn't really kick on in the way that many expected. But now um, with the aforementioned organisation and discipline that uh, Marcelino has implemented there. He seems to be thriving. He's right back on track to develop into into the kind of fullback that um, everybody thought he could be when, when he first broke through. Uh, and that's you know one of the best four or five in the world, potentially, in the next next few years. Um, he will be another one who who is one of those assets that Valencia could, could make a really big return on. It was. It'll be interesting to see because I think I think there will be a few teams in the market for a left back this summer, um, a few Premier League teams for sure. Not really heard his name connected uh, with too many teams. Not in the same sort of vein as, say, for instance, uh, an Alexandro who's been linked all over with you know Chelsea, Man United, with a move away from Juventus. Haven't heard his name mentioned too often, which is a bit of a surprise, really, because he's a super talented kid. Um, and you know, even though we fetch big money for Valencia, it's the kind of money that a Premier League team probably wouldn't really bat their eyelids at, especially after City spent so much on their fullbacks last year. I don't think you command the same sort of fee that they paid for Benjamin Mendy. Um, so there's kind of 
a good return on offer for Valencia, but at the same time, somewhat of a bargain given that he could be in, in, in place for, for 10 years or so at the club that signs him. So, yeah, there's, 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 it seems to make a lot of sense for somebody to have a look at Jose Gaia and, and weigh up their options. Yeah, I think certainly, you know, Manchester United will probably need a left back this season, uh, this summer, sorry, considering Luke Shaw seems to have been frozen out. Ashley Young isn't going to do the job at left back for the forever, is he? So I think they're going to be looking in that department, whether or not they look domestically or not remains to be seen. And, you know, Manchester City have been playing Fabian Delph at left back, whether they're happy to continue doing that or move him centrally as they look a bit uh, shorter of options in that department. And as you said, you know, the Premier League teams have spent a lot of money on fullbacks recently. So it'll be interesting to see if Valencia attempted to sell. So earlier we, we mentioned Rodrigo and we mentioned Antoine Griezmann in, in the same sentence. What's going to happen with him this summer? And I, I spoke to Ryan a bit earlier before we started the podcast about what happened with Antoine Griezmann on, on the on the football index uh, the previous summer. And, you know, I think this is one that, index traders are still following very 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 heavily so what's going to happen to him this summer i think this summer he does he, he does get his move um well he, he had it was there on offer for him last summer it was his own decision to stay um it was a very unique situation whereby athleti were banned from from making any new registrations they couldn't sign a replacement for him effectively until january so he decided to to stay loyal to the team who'd shown a lot of faith in him the team who'd you know, picked him up in 2014 as this gifted winger from um, Real Sociedad and uh, Simeone took him under his wing and, and transformed him into a centre-forward and made him one of the best in the world in that position, um, developed into a real ruthless goal scorer, but also maintaining that that speed uh, and that intelligence that, that developed um, out wide at, at the Anoeta. So um, I think he decided to, 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 to stay true to the people who showed a lot of faith in him. But I think it was all under the proviso that this, this summer he would be allowed to go. Um, last year, he had a 100 million euro release clause uh, in his contract, which seemed like a lot of money back then. Um, but 100 million euros isn't so much anymore. He did um, re-up his deal after agreeing to stay with Atleti, whereby his, his um, release clause doubled. But I do believe it goes back down again to 100 million euros at the end of this season. And I think um, all signs seem to be pointing towards him going to Barcelona. Um, it looked for a long time as though he was nailed on to be to be going to United firstly last summer. And then even when that deal fell through, it did look as though um, United would be right there back at the front of the queue for him um, this summer. Uh, but it looks like Barcelona has stolen a march. Um, Griezmann doesn't have an agent. Um, he has some trusted advisors and, and, and family members who do a lot of his negotiating for him. And um, according to reports, his sister has met with uh, Barcelona and um, discussed terms and discussed um, sort of circumstances and, and what, what they would have planned for him. Um, he seems uh, quite pleased uh, with, with the prospect of that move, as I imagine anybody playing in Spain or anywhere around the world would be really the chance to go and play with Messi um, in the twilight of his career and perhaps even assume his throne in, in two or three seasons' time, have guys like uh, Usman Dembele, Coutinho uh, playing around you. It's probably quite a beguiling uh, prospect. Yeah, I, th- I do think that he was so close to going to Manchester United last summer. And, you know, I, I don't think Manchester United have hung around this year getting Alexis Sanchez, probably with a prospect of Barcelona stealing a march as you, as you did mention there but how are Barcelona going to afford this considering the amount of money they just shelled out on Coutinho isn't there a worry that they could themselves be in trouble with the financial fair play regulations yeah for sure um yeah it's going to be an interesting summer for Barcelona in terms of their outgoings too they've, they've got a little bit of dead weight they can afford to shift and I guess cumulatively that could uh, all amount to you know like I said that that 100 million euros that that's um, stipulated in Griezmann's contract isn't as much as it was before. So now you can sell probably three pieces of Deadwood, like likes of Andrew Gomes or uh, a Paco Alcasa, um, a Denis Suarez, add them all up, maybe add a tiny bit more on top of it and you've got yourself a Griezmann. Um, it does reduce their squad depth, which uh, will be a bit of a concern. Uh, and maybe they will sort of have to look at reprioritizing La Masia for, for their squad players in the next few years, something that they've kind of moved away from recently as the, as the talent well has, has dried up somewhat. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a delicate balance act. And he's, he's a player they don't really need, if, if we're being truthful too. Um, 
there's no obvious place for him to go into that team. He's thrived as a as a secondary centre forward in a in a front two over the last four seasons at Atleti. Um, although Barcelona have moved to a four four two this season predominantly, um, there's a certain Lionel Messi playing that role. So he's not going to be getting that at Barcelona if if they stick with four four two. Or perhaps Suarez get moved on and he gets moved uh, to play as, as an out-and-out number nine, which, again, wouldn't really suit him. Um, or they could switch to 4-3-3 and he could go back to playing out wide. But again, that doesn't really suit the skill set that he's developed over the last four years at Atletico. So it's kind of a bit of a square peg for a round hole and perhaps more of a case of want the need for Barcelona. But it, it looks like it's going to happen. Yeah, that's certainly one that's that's been brewing for for a few months now and apart from Manchester United and Barcelona that doesn't really seem to be anyone else involved is there any reason for that Ryan? I'm not sure um, yeah because like we said price wise there's a bit of a bargain there to be had uh, there were kind of some slight murmurings of, of perhaps Real Madrid having already broken their their um, sort of unwritten rule that they don't trade with, with Atleti. The, the, neither club directly deals with one another and tries to poach each other's players. They, they broke that when they when they signed Teo Hernandez last summer. And there was talk that they might try and do that again for Griezmann this year. And, and that might even be a move that makes a bit more sense. But it doesn't seem to that, uh, have had any steam behind it. It looks like it's all Barcelona. Yeah, I, I guess Juventus might be another one who who could be in the market for, for a player of his calibre, his level. Um, but they've got Paolo Dybala playing that role. United, as you said, have just signed um, Alexis Sanchez instead. Uh, City... Maybe City, but again, do they really need a player of his type at the moment? They've probably got other areas they're going to focus on. So the, the market starts to shrink when you think about the teams out there. Who could afford him? Perhaps as PSG, if indeed Neymar does move on and they need that kind of star attraction. Um, that would be the one. If there's going to be an outside bet, I'd say it's probably going to be PSG or sneak in. But it looks a bit like it's playing semi for Barca at the moment. Well, fair play. I, I still think this will be an interesting one to keep an eye on, particularly if Barcelona can't make the sales required to kind of adhere to, to, to financial fair play regulations. But we'll move on. Then A question I have liked to ask in, in the last couple of these Around the League podcasts is about players that could move on from relegated teams. So it looks like Deportivo are going to join Las Palmas and Malaga and going down to the Secunda division. So what players from those respective teams will have suitors either in La Liga or outside of the league? You know what? I was looking through the, the squad list in preparation of this podcast and I think it's slim pickings, to be honest. I think there's a reason these three guys are going down. I think, <laughs> put plainly, they don't have that many good players and I think the best players at these teams, by and large, are on loan from other sides. So they'll be going back to their parent club and perhaps therein lies part of the issue with why they find themselves in this predicament to begin with. So if you look in a depot, uh, their top scorer in La Liga is Adrian Lopez. Um, he's on loan from Porto. Um, so, you know, that's not somebody they're going to be looking to make a return on. He could just go back to Porto or perhaps Porto would look to move him on. But he's not somebody who's facing the prospect of second-tier football. Uh, Lucas Perez as well went back there from Arsenal. Hasn't been able to replicate the form he showed before moving to the Emirates. Um but he is still an Arsenal player. Five goals and five assists, and he's 29 years old, so I don't think it'll be a huge market for him. Uh, Fabian Schaar is someone who's, who's maybe interesting. Uh, he was a highly rated defender just a couple of years ago, had a lot of, um, well, supposedly had a lot of quite big teams looking at him. He's still only 26, so maybe he could be somebody, uh, some, uh, a, a club could be looking to pick up from Depor. Uh, Florian Andone, too, the, the Romanian forward, He's probably probably their best player. He's got seven goals, two assists this year. Can play anywhere across the front line. Um, so I, I could see him getting a move out of that. And then we go through to Las Palmas. Um, Jonathan Caleri has been scoring their goals this summer, uh, this season, and he's on loan from Deportivo Maldonado. So they don't own him either. Um, and Alan Halilovic, who was the the new Messi, one of the many new Messi's not so long ago when he was coming through at Barcelona. He's been there and he's done pretty much nothing all season, really. Uh, but he's on loan from Hamburg. So even as a 21-year-old with the potential he's got, he would have been somebody with resale value. But he's not there to resell, although Hamburg themselves could be facing relegation. So maybe he will be somebody that could be on the move. Uh, then we go through to Malaga. Uh, they've got Diego Roland, who's been doing okay there um, of late. Um, he's somebody who... Not that long ago now, it seems like a million years ago, but just a couple of, probably a year and a half, two years ago, was linked with Man United when he was at Bordeaux. Um, South American forward, he's, he's, he's decent, uh, he's got decent movement, he's fairly quick, he's, he's a good finisher. 
Um, not an exceptional player by any means, but again, he's a Bordeaux player, so Malaga can't sell him. Same goes for Borja Baston, who um, they took back to La Liga after a disastrous time at Swansea, uh, but he's still a Swansea player. He's, he's Again, he's, he's done very little since he's been over, scored only two goals in 18 appearances. And uh, Peñarada too, uh, the talented young um, Venezuelan player, um, has been on loan at Malaga, but he is a, he's a Watford player. He's just been out and about, loaned all over the place as he's trying to, I think, work up enough years in Spain to be able to, to, to get a work permit to, to go and join Watford um, on a permanent basis. So yeah, uh, slim pickings, unless you've got any suggestions for me, I'm drawing a little bit of a blank. <laughs> yeah, the, the only one I could think of when I first posed this question or wrote it down was uh, Florian Andone. Uh, I think he was linked with Burnley at some point, which was a, a bit of a strange one considering Burnley have um, two or three forwards or maybe, maybe even the fourth. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, again, as you said, slim pickings. Uh, certainly when we did the, the Bundesliga version of this podcast, there were so many different players that were rattled off uh, here. It's just not the same, just purely because they don't own them. Uh, maybe a few of those players that, that index traders could look at uh, from a loan perspective. I mean, Alan Halilovic, as you said, uh, could get a crazy link somewhere. Um, Lucas Perez was linked to to Everton uh, before he did make that move back to to Malaga. So there are a few players there that that could get those transfer links in the summer. Is that if that's what you're looking for? But certainly none that that have to move from those three clubs because you know they just don't own them. <laughs> but um, we'll move on to the next question and and two guys that have come up quite a few times recently and and this is posed by someone on Twitter. And they asked about Fabian Ruiz and Aaron Martin. Um, one plays Royal Betis and, and Martin, the the latter one plays for Espanyol at left back. Both have been linked uh, heavily with moves out of their respective clubs. So are they both set for, for new pastures this summer? Uh, I think there's, there's a really strong ch- uh, strong case, particularly in um, Aaron Martin's case. Um, Fabian Ruiz is somebody who's really impressed with with Betis this season, coming in in central midfield. He's a big, tall guy. Um, he had kind of question marks over his physicality in previous years. He was a bit skinny and a bit easily knocked off the ball, but he's kind of filled himself out a little bit now. Um, he's 22, really, really good in possession, intelligent use of the ball. Um, he's not averse to the odd screamer from distance too. Um, scored in the opening minute of the, of the Seville derby. Uh, just a few months ago, which is still the best game I've seen this season with Betis winning four, uh, 6-4 at the uh, Ramon Sanchez-Pizuan, which was an incredible game. Um, yeah, he's that, that guy who can kind of control a midfield, um, not not too dissimilar to a Busquets with maybe a little bit more licence to get forward th- th- than, uh, than Busquets. Um, and incidentally, he was linked with the move to Barcelona back in January. But um, apparently Barcelona wanted him for their B team. Uh, they were looking for a bit of a marquee signing to come in and play for their B team for the, the last six months of the season because they're threatened with relegation at the moment. So they were kind of trying to bring him in to get them out of a rut and then move him into the first team after that, which was something he apparently didn't really want to go for. Uh, so he stayed put there. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few teams after him, but he's another one who's um, in a similar boat for me to uh, to Carlos Soler. I'd like to see him stay another year of Betis. They've got such an exciting project there uh, with Kike Setien. The football they're playing is just breathtaking. Um, and why wouldn't you want to play with Joaquin for as long as you can play with Joaquin? <laughs> He's just absolute god of a man. So if I were him, I'd be staying at Betis. Uh, Aaron Martino, yeah, um, like we said earlier, there's going to be a lot of people looking for a left-back this summer. He's someone who has been linked with a lot of top Premier League clubs, um, not least Man United. I think Man City as well have been linked yeah still very young good attacking fullbacks bit like Gaia there's been question marks over his defensive ability but he's good going forward very good crosser a good dribbler um, doesn't have any assists to his name this season but I think that can be accounted for as much by the fact that he plays for a team in Espanyol who don't have the, the greatest firepower so it's not like there are a wealth of targets from training those crosses at but he's a very effective attacking fullback and uh, somebody with a lot of promise yeah, I think those those two l- like look like they're on the move, and and they are certainly coming up in the papers quite a few times over here in the UK. But I mean, we're talking about those relatively young players, and we mentioned uh, Asensio at Real Madrid uh, being part of that squad and and being you know a bigger part than Dani Caballos, and we talked about uh, Gonzalo Guedes as well. But who who are the guys from the next batch of youngsters that? 
football index traders should be looking out for and you know football fans in general should be keeping an eye on yeah i've uh, i've got a couple of couple of names i'll throw out for this one the first one is someone who's definitely on the move in the summer the deal's already agreed and that's uh, rodri the central midfielder 21 years old is going to be going from uh, Villarreal to atletico madrid uh, already a full spanish international and again somebody who's in that busquets mode that that kind of big strong uh, midfield conductor, superb on the ball, excellent technique, really calm in possession, sort of calm and assured ahead of his years. Um, so he's a real prospect to look out for next season, playing in that athletic team, uh, perhaps uh, the eventual heir to, to Gabby in that side, I, I would suggest. Um, the other name uh, I've written down is uh, Alvaro Ad- Adriazola, who somebody whose name I always struggle to, to pronounce, but a uh, 22-year-old right back. Another one. <laughs> Certainly a tough one. Yeah, definitely. Um uh, been linked to Premier League clubs again, was linked to Man United not so long ago. Um, a real kind of marauding right back, uh, real athlete, gets up and down throughout the game, likes to attack, can put in a delivery, can uh, yeah, can get up and down, can do the dirty work too. Uh, full Spain international, two caps, looks likely to, to be uh, a fairly decent bet for, for a place in the World Cup squad. Um, so he's somebody to keep an eye out on for, for the coming years. Certainly. So, anyone you you think in kind of the forward areas more so than um, potentially, uh, as you've mentioned, Odiozola there. Anyone, anyone you know, maybe a winger or, or striker that has kind of caught your eye in the Liga. There wasn't like when I was looking at this anyone who was really jumping out at me for this, unless it's somebody I'm completely blanking on. Um, like you said, Asensio is really kind of already a pretty well established star at this point, even though he's not always nailed on first choice for for, for Real Madrid. He's certainly somebody, if he were playing anywhere else, he would be the star of the team, much like Isco. Um, there's um, Ali Atharbala, um at Real Sociedad, to a teammate of Audrey Atharbala, who's a superb winger, really gifted. I think he's still only around 20. Uh, but again, he's kind of already a little bit established now. He's been there for a few years. So yeah, in terms of attacking talent, um, there was nothing that was jumping out at me. I don't know if you have any suggestions yourself. No, I mean, I think in La Liga, there's not that many that are kind of below the 20 year old age bracket that are kind of formidable players in that league. But when you go from the 20 to 23, you, you start looking at the Guedes, uh caliber of player and you look at Asensio and you think those guys are, you know, pretty close to being the next Neymar or, or you know, the next, um, the next Eden Hazard, etc. So I, I do think it's it maybe tougher to pick, um, those under 21 players but maybe that's just the the way that La Liga is in terms of actually being able to train those youngsters in the B teams to to a greater extent the Premier League teams can do so in their reserve teams and uh, and you see it so many times every single season Real Madrid and Barcelona seem to bring in someone from their B team whether they be uh, maybe 19 20 years old it seems like a kind of a later graduation process if that makes sense yeah I think there's also been a bit of an issue with um, particularly Premier League teams poaching young Spanish talent before they even get to being on the brink of first team level as well you've seen a lot of guys I guess it was like the Fabregas and the PKs who started it off uh, back in the early 2000s, but by the time they get to 15, 16, 17, um, clubs with with a lot of money and big academy facilities like Man City, um, like Man United, are are hoovering these players up before they kind of get the chance to shine in their home country. So maybe that's a contributing factor. It's been happening for four or five years now, so perhaps that's why there's a bit of a bit of a gap um in the talent for the, this particular age group yeah certainly a reason and probably certainly a reason that english youngsters aren't getting such a chance in the premier league but we'll move on from from that and we mentioned this man's name quite a few times right at the start and this is going to be our final topic or or question and you know what are the chances of neymar actually leaving and going to real madrid this summer i saw um, some quotes from the original ronaldo uh ronaldo nine saying that there are murmurs that he's going to be on his way this summer. And I don't know how trustworthy a source he is, but can you shed some light on the situation? Is there actually any chance of this happening? Um, who knows? Who thought there was any chance of him going to PSG uh, this time last year, you know? So I guess we'll have to see where Neymar, where the Neymar circus lands next time round. Um, again, I'd be surprised if he did go so soon. It would kind of make a mockery of the whole, the whole move there originally wouldn't it to be honest yeah. it kind of it would it would be like like it was just a circus that came to town for a year 
Um, and then maybe that would be why PSG weren't so worried about the, the financial fair play implications of making that deal because they knew a year down the line they were going to actually make a, a small profit on him by selling back to Real Madrid. It was just someone they wanted to come in, raise the profile of the club, sell a few shirts, get them on the map, um, and then, yeah, move him on and, and get that money back. And then they, you know it's funded a, a, deal, a move for Mbappe, who's the next big star of, of French football, who could then go on to be their main man. Um, I don't think anyone really suspected that Neymar was going to be at PSG for, for life when he went there. Um, but uh, by the same token, I don't think anyone thought he was only going to do a year there. Um, so, yeah, it's going to really depend, I guess, on the will of the player. Um, that's what made the move to PSG in the first place. Um, as far as I'm aware, there are no uh, release, clause, release clauses in his contract. So it's going to be have to something have to be something PSG agree to, and that's going to mean Real Madrid or any other potential suitor looking to drop a quarter of a million, a quarter of a billion pound on on, on the guy. Um, which uh, yeah, it just seems kind of kind of crazy that it could happen twice uh, within a space of twelve months. But I guess just watch that space. If I were to to bet on it, I would say uh, he probably does another year before uh, maybe then you know Ronaldo does sort of uh, hang up his, his uh, Real Madrid shirt and, and move elsewhere to, to finish off the last days of his career and and uh, Neymar comes in to, to be the main man because let's not forget that apparently uh, the reason he left Barcelona was to get out of Lionel Messi's shadow. Well, Cristiano Ronaldo casts a pretty big shadow himself too and he's still going to be the main man at Real Madrid for as long as he's there and if you are in that the same team as him, you are subservient to him. You are... Well, they're all Benzema-style facilitators, essentially. Nobody nobody scores. There's not the distribution of goals at Real Madrid that there is at, at Barcelona, for instance, where you know a Suarez can get 20 goals a season while Messi's getting 40, or the MSN, as they were, could break the 30-goal barriers each. There's there's one main main man there, and the rest kind of trail in his wake. And uh, as I said, they're subservient to him. So that doesn't seem like a situation Neymar would thrive into me. So maybe... Uh, Maybe it's all smoke and mirrors for the moment. Yeah, I do also think that the reason that he left was, as you said, to become the main man and, and kind of take control of a team himself. That would just completely go back on what his thoughts were. And if you think that PSG will get around the financial fair play regulations this summer and probably invest heavily again, who knows? Uh, there's this you know, talk of so many of their players being linked away, which would probably free up funds. But I mean, it would just be strange. I think if he wants to be the guy that breaks that Ballon d'Or number one and two between Ronaldo and Messi, he's the closest. But also he's got to do it without another superstar, I think. But there's no way that uh, Neymar goes to Real Madrid. Real Madrid win the treble and Neymar wins the Ballon d'Or, short of Neymar winning the World Cup also. So I think there's a massive problem there. And I mean, Neymar could easily next season go up even another level from from what he's done this season and potentially win the Champions League. Uh, can, uh, you know, and you never know what he does at this World Cup. It could you know give him even more confidence and say, you know what, if I can win the World Cup with Brazil on my own, well, not on my own, with, with being the leader of this team, then why can't I do it with PSG? And, you know, the talent at PSG is there. You've, you've got the Mbappes, as you said. You've got the the Verratis, the Rabiots, and, and uh, all these exceptional talents that are playing alongside him and trying to help him win the Champions League. And I think that's what kind of happened as soon as he went to PSG. Everyone else uh, uh, certainly became slightly subservient, as you mentioned, Ronaldo's relationship with the rest of his teammates. We saw Cavani kind of... um, try and challenge him as, as the alpha male there but uh, you know uh, that got sorted out very quickly with the amount of uh, Brazilian players that are at PSG uh, the dogs. yeah yeah exactly but that's also a thing that I've said quite a few times on this podcast if you look at PSG squad the amount of Brazilians there right now is, is quite high you've got Danny Alves you've got Thiago Silva you've got um, Thiago Motta who's still there who's, who's Italian but Brazilian heritage you've got Marquinhos and you've got uh, Lucas Moura who's just left to, to Spurs and you've you've got all these players but suddenly you know Thiago Silva may be on his way out Danny Alves there were rumours of you know linking him back to Barcelona this uh, today uh, that, that emerged from France which were really weird so Neymar 
coming into the club, he had all these friends, as you'd probably call them. Next summer, how many of them are going to be left? And that's one thing that I think is probably quite important to it. Actually having that Brazilian community at PSG, as you said, that circus feel. It does kind of feel like a circus with all those Brazilians at PSG as Mbappe as well, doing all these tricks and flicks and, and Angel Di Maria as well. So it does have that circusy feel about it, kind of like the Harlem Globetrotters of football. And we just don't really know where it's going to end. If I had to bet on it, as you said, I probably would say next summer is more likely than this summer. Um, but it's certainly going to be one to keep an eye on. And uh, I don't know. For the life of me, I don't know how he could play alongside Ronaldo. But um, yeah, I, I just, again, as as with you, I really don't know what's going to happen in this space. Yeah, and I think there are a lot of issues that play at PSG beyond uh, the playing staff. Um, I think... Um, they've got too too long of a leash there. Guys like Neymar, kind of, he's he's his own boss essentially, and he's he's been able to fill the squad with his friends, um, who all fight his corner. Um, I think that's detrimental to them, uh, their ability to to contest the, the biggest honors like the Champions League. And I also think they suffer from a lack of competition uh, in Liga. Even though they didn't win the uh, win the league last year, uh, they've absolutely romped it again this season. I think week in week out, they're up against the level of opposition who. They don't have to get out of second gear to, to destroy. We saw them absolutely hammer Monaco 7-1 um, just, uh, just a few days ago, and that's the second best team in that in that league. So I think it's very difficult to go between um, kind of easing through games and still having it all your own way to then be able to raise your, your level to, to go and compete with a team like Real Madrid. And I think that's going to be an issue they're really going to struggle with. I don't, I don't see any easy remedy for that. So irrespective of who they bring in, whoever the next coach is, it looks like it's going to be Thomas Tuchel, I think. Um, that's a factor that you can't easily overcome. It's not a problem you can throw money at, so it's not one that they can they can fix uh, with the click of the, their fingers. So, yeah, um, the PSG situation is a really funny one. Um, I don't see it being a long-term venture for Neymar, like we said, but, yeah, I think this summer, it would just make it, make a mockery of the whole thing if he were to leave this year, which I wouldn't put past him or PSG, to be honest, but... Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem likely, but who who knows? Well, I think for the sake of football, let's hope it doesn't happen, really. Uh, for the sake of you Neymar owners on Football Index, we probably want this to happen. So so who knows what, what does actually indeed come of this situation. But, you know, Ryan, it's been actually a pleasure having you on today. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. And where, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, so you can go to, to my Twitter. Um, I'm at Ryan Baldy, FW. Um, the FW stands for Football Whispers, which is my my employer. Um, and you can also go and check out uh, check me out at the website of my publisher, unbound.com forward slash wonderkids, where you can go and take a look at the, the book that I've got coming out. Um, it's all about youngsters who are tipped for the top at a young age but never quite made it. Uh, I've been interviewing players from the likes of Man United, Spurs, Liverpool, Everton, Ajax, and I've been traveling all around the country in Europe. So that's the, the project I've got on at the moment. I'm just looking for, for people to go and pre-order the book to help me get this book published so please do go across to unbound.com slash wonderkids and uh go and check it out go and place to support my campaign get yourself a copy of the book and um we've got um an offer code as well for, for listeners of the podcast um if you go and hit the big blue pledge button and enter the code uh, breaking 10 that's breaking 10 in all capitals you'll get 10 percent off any pledge that you make so uh, please go and check that out yeah, awesome stuff there, Ryan. We had a little bit of a chat about the book before you you came on and before we started the podcast. And it sounds like a really interesting uh, project. And I do think that on Football Index in particular, a lot of these young players, they do flop in price just for, for speculative reasons. And maybe it's a, a nice way of warning listeners that sometimes it doesn't always work out. And we talk about the we talked about Federico Makeda earlier, Rafael da Silva, lots of players that that you, you talked about and those who just didn't make it to the top level. So for all those listeners out there, if you, you are interested in, in having a great read, I'm sure uh, Ryan spoke so well, so I'm sure he, he writes just as well, if not better. Uh, do use uh, that code BREAKING10. And uh, yeah, if, if you do have a spare few quid and, and you do want to have a good read, then certainly do go ahead and pledge to that project. But yeah, thanks everyone for listening. And you know, if, if you have listened to this and enjoyed it on your commute please do leave a review i do really love reading them and it uh kind of you know encourages me to to keep making content and keep making it as 
good as I can. And also do subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And if you're looking to try and make yourself a better trader on this platform, then do head over to the YouTube channel, subscribe on that big red button as well. And yeah, uh, hopefully I, I don't keep uh, messing up these outros and I hope everyone enjoys their commutes.